right. Here we are. Here we are. Welcome back. Welcome Science back. in between. Yep. Yeah. This is Scott. This is Ollie. And here we are. Here another we are. episode. It's all an- another fast paced, exciting episode of Science. It's always good to get together with you. Yeah. Scott McDonald. It's always good to hear your voice. Oh, you know? that's yeah. so sweet. It's a Monday morning, and that's just. Uh, nice well, they don't know. Say. It's not a Monday morning for them. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we kind of, you know, each week come up with, you know, some sort of idea that we want to, you know, discuss and, you know, play out. And, and, I think this week, if we're going to like kind of, you know, put it in a bucket, it's the teacher educator, science teacher educator bucket, right? Mm. This is where we're going to like, I don't know, dig into what it's like to be a science teacher educator. And well, well, that's a, that's a mouthful. It basically means we're preparing science teachers to teach, you know, and, and there's lots of, you know, terminology and and things that uh, if you're, if you're a teacher, um, you probably this is like the the behind the scenes behind the curtain stuff, right? Mm. That goes into preparing teachers, right? Yeah. And so yeah. there's a like just like every discourse community, there's a special set of language and ideas and concepts that is unique to that discourse community. So teacher educators talk about things like dispositions. Which you know is not something that many teachers talk about, right? Right. I mean, if you say something to a teacher educator, "Hey, um, you know, dispositions," that's that's common terminology. Yeah. Um, however, if you like go to like the average person on the street or somebody who's working in a school or a principal or a teacher, they are like, "Huh?" They might infer what you mean, mm. but but this is actually a pretty big thing in. In teacher education, it's it's something that like so there are different accrediting bodies for accrediting schools of teacher education, right? So if yeah. you're a college of education that prepares teachers, um, you have to be accredited usually by CAPE, right? CAPE yeah, is, CAPE's, CAPE's the overarching body yeah. of accreditation, and then within that there are disciplinary specific pieces, right? To it, right? I think they're called SPAs, so right? They're which, SPA. Yeah, subject, what that for. subject, I think subject. Yeah. Uh, right. You talk. I'll I'll Google. Yeah, I we should know what spa stands for, right? Uh, but not everything has a spa, but like uh, usually that's it's a um like a subject matter specialty, right? That says okay, I I'm gonna be I don't know art. So there's an art institute, uh, art professional organization that. Well, credit institutions to offer art teacher education and same thing for, you know, social studies, like the National Council for Social Studies is the spa granting organization for social studies. So if Millersville University or or Penn State University wanted to prepare social studies, they would have to get their programs accredited through the National Council for the Social Studies. Yeah. And what does spa stand for? Uh, SPA, well, let me start with CAPE. So count, a CAPE stands for Council for the Accreditation of Educator Preparation. Sure. So that's the that's the governing I body. think I would have got that one. I would have gotten that. I would have got that? Okay. I might have right. thrown an American in there just because of the A, but then I would have been like, oh, no, it's accreditation. Yeah. And I'm looking SPA, it's all capitalized, but it doesn't say what SPA stands for, interestingly. Spa report, spa initial report. Um, so yeah, our for science, our our spa accreditor is NSTA, which is the National Science Teachers Association. Specialized professional association. Oh, there you go. There it is. So you have but, to do a specialized professional association report that's for your right. disciplinary area. And not every discipline has them. I mean, some disciplines don't, like you know, um, I can't think. I don't have the the whole list. Like we could look it up, but that's really actually not part of the show. No. The part the part of the show that we wanted to dig in today was is was about dispositions, because you know we've been talking a lot about like the way we we want to see or the way we envision science teaching happening, um, in in classrooms, and and I think that that leads to a conversation about disposition because I think that not everybody 
has the disposition to teach that way, right? Or maybe, or interest. But then it gets into the, well, what the heck is a disposition, right? Mm-hmm. And and I will say that it's important because, you know, the accrediting bodies like CAPE and, and, and such, um, they require programs to evaluate and assess teacher collect, candidates. Collect data. Collect data on their dispositions. Mm-hmm. And so what the heck is a disposition? So here's what uh, NCAPE, which is the previous, was the predecessor to CAPE, Mm -hmm. right? So maybe like four or five years ago, NCAPE was replaced by CAPE. So Mm -hmm. uh, before it was the National Council of the Accreditation for Teacher Education, that was Mm NCAPE. So it says uh, dispositions are professional attitudes, values, and beliefs demonstrated through both verbal and nonverbal behaviors as educators interact with students, families, colleagues, and communities. In other words, dispositions are those internal conditions, attitudes, values, thoughts that influence our external behaviors, actions, and interactions with students and others. And that's a quote from, you know, I can put the link in there. But um, so that's the idea of what a disposition is. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm kind of a disposition ethics nerd. Like this mm-hmm. is stuff that I, I could spend hours talking about. And actually I'm working a, with um, a project with, Friend of the show, Lindsay Gates, we're working some stuff on dispositions. We have, you know, been looking at standards and stuff and how dispositions are communicated um, in the standards. And so one of the things I came across was the science standards, the science teacher preparation standards. So these are different than next generation science standards. So the science teacher preparation standards says, okay, if we're preparing science teachers, what's the things we're preparing them to do? Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is that so, the way it's framed, or what do they need to know? Right. These are the my sta- gut instinct is it's what do they need to know now? What are what are we preparing them to do? Well, I mean, I think it's 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 a little bit of both because some of it's mm-hmm. okay. So I, I I shared this with you, but we'll we'll, we'll link to this. These are from this is 2020. So this was a joint document from NSTA and ASTE um, for the standards for science teacher preparation. So one standard is around content knowledge, mm-hmm. and one it standard is. is around pedagogy. Content pedagogy. One's around learning environments. Yeah. One's around safety. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit about in that about safety that deals with ethical decision making. Mm-hmm. But it's all around but, safety. Well, and it's mostly I think around living organisms in the room. Right. So it's not so much about like the kids being the living organisms, but if <laughs> right. you're going to have a, a gerbil in your room, how do you ethically take care of the gerbil? Sure. Yeah. And then there's the impact on student learning. Uh, that's a standard five. And then pro- standard six is professional knowledge and skills. And so that's mm-hmm. all around like reflection, professional development, all that. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. No. So there's no disposition language in there at all. Yeah. Okay. So I I I think you're you would think that's okay, right? Are you okay? Well, well. So here's my thing, right? I mean, you probably know my hobby horse here, right? So dispositions are an individual attribute. I find them less interesting than practices, which is why we talk about practice a lot. I mean, a disposition. Sounds a lot to me, especially the way, given the the definition you just read, sounds a lot like some sort of belief. And the and right. the history of beliefs in teacher education research is pretty abysmal in terms of its ability to help us actually understand people's actual ability to teach the thing that we want them to teach. So beliefs do not are not highly correlated with practice. Um, so, so dispositions feel like they're likely to be just as equally uncorrelated with practice, right. but maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's a really, that's an awesome point. And, and, and here's the point the thing. I completely agree with you. Mm-hmm. Like I completely agree with you. Um, in fact, what we were, uh, probably about like a decade ago, um, we were recognizing that we as an institution weren't doing a very good job of assessing dispositions and all this. And so what we were like, okay, well, we've got to put together a committee, a committee mm-hmm. to come up with assessments because we we're getting ready for uh, our accreditation visit. And we were like, no, we're not going to assess dispositions. We're going to assess behavior. Mm-hmm. So we created a whole set of 
tools to assess practice. Practice or behavior? Behavior, like behavior in 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 their interactions with students or teacher candidates. You know, so behaviors are you know how people do their practice, right? I mean, you, you yeah. don't agree with that. No, well, okay, so we're we're getting into the nitty gritty here. Sure, so, that's right. That's this episode, I mean, right? Behaviors again. Well, behaviors have a long history, right? So let's start sure. with the obvious: behaviorism, right? Um, yeah. And, and part of the nature of behavior is again that it is individual. It is how do you behave as a teacher, not how do you interact with students. Though sometimes right. you layer that language in there, right. but really, it's like what do you do as the teacher? And to me, that's like again it misses at least half of what's going on there. Right. So yeah, I think um, we were as a, as a group seeing those things as being the same behavior and practice. Cause it was not, it was about, you know, their practice in learning communities, their practices in classrooms with students and all that. It was that kind of stuff. I hear you. But then I also hear in the way that you just characterized it, that you said there and you meant the teacher candidate as yes. if the teacher candidate operates independently of the things that you then listed them being a part of. So, you know, I, and this is, I mean, for me, this is the pernicious way that sort of individual cognition gets into everything that we do and how we think about it. Right. Because it's built on this, this layer cake of, uh, learning theory foundation that we've built up, right? Starting with behaviorism, moving into cognitivism, like all of those things were individual attributes. And so now we're really swimming upstream with this idea of like, well, the only way that you can really understand a person is to know their individual attributes. And, and you know, it's not that I don't believe their individual attributes. Of course, I believe that. I'd be a maniac not to think that. But to think that that's the way to talk about those things, especially when it comes to something like teaching, which is, you know, as we say, every show, relational. Sure. It's a relational practice. So I, I, I just struggle with the idea that, A, there are these dispositions, beliefs, whatever, and the implication then is that they're independent of the context. So if you have a kid in a middle school here in state college and they are interacting with kids in a particular way, and we're going to name their dispositions. And then we move them over to, you know, inner city Philadelphia, that they're, those dispositions are going to be the same. And of course they're not going to be. Right. Well, okay. So I guess my response would, if would be, if, if we were just doing an assessment or evaluation or something uh, in a single situation, like, okay, without considering multiple places or multiple points of development with multiple perspectives, because um, I think what we're trying to do is to see, you know, how the person can engage with different populations in different contexts. And so basing that on those like sort of snapshots rather than a single snapshot, multiple snapshots gives us a better idea of whether that teacher candidate has, you know, the, I don't want to say has the disposition to foster learning from a certain perspective. Yeah. I mean, it's an argument. I disagree with it, but it's an argument. I well, mean, I mean, it's what we're, it's like what we are expected to do. You have a, you have a disposition document in front of you, right? Yeah. Like from Penn state, you have Penn yeah. state has one. Right. Yeah. And so they're doing it too. So it's like, this is something that we as like, and here's the thing is that even with the assessment, you know, the assessments we use, we're still missing people. Like there are people getting out there who are te teaching who are they don't necessarily have the disposition to be an effective teacher. Okay. So that is an explanation that is grounded in a particular framing of what it means to be a teacher and what it means to go out into like, like that you can identify those dispositions as a way of determining whether they're going to be good or bad at the teaching job. Once they leave your program, I'm just saying dispositions is one way to think about, what that is, but it is sure. a way to think about it. Right. And yeah, we have that document and we also have the practice what's, what's exam that my students have to take, take, we have lots of things that my students are forced to do because we are in a system that is entirely designed this way. That doesn't mean I have to agree with it or think it's smart yeah. or, in, or the best way to do it. Well, okay. Then, then what, what should we be doing? So, I mean, I guess that's the, that's the way I wanted to frame this was around like, if, 
if this is something that we want to, I don't know, somehow, because we we certify teachers. We certify teachers leaving your program and leaving my program yep. that they're certified to become, they're certified to be teachers, mm-hmm. right? Science teachers specifically, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so someone's getting the Scott McDonald seal of approval that says they're certified to teach science education. Yep. What are you basing that on? Yeah, I'm basing it on all the things that most people base it on, but I, and I base it on my watching of their practice and talking with them and you know, being around them as part of a member of their their community and they're a member of my community. So I get to know them as people and I get to see how they how they are in the world and how they behave in the classroom. And I understand that 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 sounds to me like a a lot of the things you're saying right there are dispositional in nature. No, they're not. That's a way to define them is dispositional in nature. You can say, oh, I'm going to tell you how, but okay, let me read. We'll read some of these. (laughs) All right. right? Um, Exhibit self-control. That's a disposition. That's within it. Disposition A, quality is important to an educational professional. Exhibits integrity. Takes initiative. So tell me, tell me how you can name that in a decontextualized way. It doesn't make any sense to me. Do they take initiative? Yeah, sometimes and sometimes not. Right. Yeah, so and- if, so if you had a, so, cause this is something we're, we're dealing with on campus with, with a couple of our teacher candidates who are out in student teaching and not doing, you know, lesson plans. Sure. They're not showing up. They show yeah. up late, you yeah. know. I mean, what do we do with those folks? We're just like, okay, well, we don't have a standard for any of that. Like, I mean, because those things are important, right? I mean, we can't have a classroom of students without a, a teacher, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess we can, you know? I, I, so uh, the premise that I'm fighting you here on is that that what you're saying is the only way to if if you have a if you have a student teacher who's struggling and i've had students teachers struggle right like we sure. all have so the only way that you can interact with that student is if you have a predetermined list that says here are the criteria that you have to meet and if you're not meeting them then we're going to remove you from student teaching or we're going to have a conversation about putting you in a new placement or whatever you you want to decide and what i'm saying is that that is that is a that is a thing that we have established for lots of reasons, mostly policy reasons. Because if well, we were, exactly that's where I was we, just going to go with it, it's 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 wait, policy, wait, wait, it's it's yeah. due process. It is like if we remove somebody from a program, if we say this teacher candidate is not you know meeting the expectations, and we're going to remove them from the program, we have to have a due process. Yeah, but that doesn't mean we have to have an attribute list that they tick off or not tick off. There's lots of ways to characterize. Well, how's it de- how's it defensible? If we don't give standards, then when we come to them challenging us, like see, a teacher candidate says. Well, so look, if look, I, I say so- if if I say about a student teacher who and I say, look, here's the evidence over the past semester. You, there have been 15 occasions when you didn't prepare a lesson plan. There have been 10 occasions where you showed up late to class. So so they're going to say, well, there's no standard. I can just show up whenever I want. I don't have to turn in lesson plans. Do you really think that there's going to be a a pushback against like uh, it just and I understand that this is the way administrators think about these things and that you have to have these lists because without the list, you have no leg to stand on. I, it just feels like, I'm, I'm OK, saying it's that, it's it's not it's not the what the administrators I'm saying what's it's the what the law says. Like that, like this would like if this was challenged, and this has been like dismissals from teacher education programs, dismissals from colleges have been challenged in court. Yeah, and so you have to have a set of standards. You have to have a specific process of how this stuff gets gets challenged. Yeah. So if if a teacher candidate is removed from a program or removed from an institution, that we have to say, hey, here's the things we went through. You know, right. and I, under, I understand this. Does that make yeah, it you don't right, have to though? like it? It's Does just that a, make it right, though. No, I know. Like, I, I but I mean, that's so, why, like, philosophically coming up with what, like, uh, I don't know what. What we can stomach, right? Like what yeah. you can actually like say this represents or reflects our beliefs as an institution or our mission as an institution or our pedagogical stance, you know, mm-hmm. Like, I think that's where, from my point of view, is 
You know, I mean, we, we, we can't rage against the law, right? I mean, we could, but like ultimately we can't when it comes rage to, against the law. We can, we can go against it, but ultimately what as an institution, if we dismiss a student and we don't have a due a process and we don't have standards, it's indefensible. Okay. Yeah, I, that's true. That is true. That does not mean that the standards need to be articulated in detail, which they usually are in standards, right? This is this is exactly analogous to what the NGSS has been trying to roll back, is yeah. this idea of like, okay, if we're going to have standards, we have to name every individual little piece of everything. Otherwise, it's not a standard. Right. And that seems yeah, bananas. I, I am not advocating. Like, we could pull up like, you know, 25. Well, let's look different... at the NSTA. I mean, you know, I mean, the... I mean, these, well, these, you're not going to kick a student out based on these because they're too broad, no. right? Right. Well, I, I mean, mean the, the, those standards are not standards that, I mean, they're n knowledge and practice-based standards that aren't dispositional in nature at all. Yeah, but they they are theoretically grounds. I mean, they are a standard for teacher preparation. They're not nothing. Like, they're, they're not nothing. They're, I'm not They're the legally them. binding um if you want to talk about legal, they're the legally binding um, spa criteria for our discipline, right? Sure. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not dismissing them. I'm saying they're they're important. But th this is this was how I wanted to frame this conversation. We're finally <laughs> yes, getting there. Go ahead. Ten ten minutes into it, these ten. are necessary, but they're not sufficient. Mm. Which which is this the NSTA the, NSTA the spa report. The teacher preparation standards. I see. So you're saying what's what makes what is sufficient is these plus dispositions, or or whatever the ways of being. I mean, if, if are you more comfortable calling it that ways of being? I don't know what like like because there is like there's a there, someone could, as a teacher candidate can come out of our program and and do all of this stuff that is in the NSTA teacher preparation standards. And it's also the ASTE. So I want to make sure that we're not, you know, it's coming from two, it's a jointly authored document. Um, but there's a secret sauce, right. That is, that's there, right. Uh -huh. That we're trying to teach our students, right. Or are hoping to teach our students uh -huh. about that is, that puts the stuff in practice that we go, okay, this teacher, yeah, I'd want my kid to have that teacher rather okay. than, you know, you saying, uh, right? Yeah. And I don't think dispositions is the way to characterize it. So let me think about so what would be a better way to characterize it. Ambitious science teaching. It, it has a clearly articulated set of practices. In fact, it has a clearly articulated group sets of practices that characterize what good science teaching looks like. It's not dispositional in nature. It does not say um, anything about people's attributes as individuals in terms of, of who yeah. they are in some, you know, self-efficacy way or some motivational way or some initiative way or some motive, whatever, right? Yeah. So there, there are multiple ways of disp uh, de defining dispositions. I just threw out the end case one, but like one of the ones that... You know, Leslie and I are Leslie Gates, friend of the show, um, are kind of, I don't know, kind of coming into more uh, adopting our tendencies, inclinations, and abilities. Mm -hmm. All right. You don't like yeah. those ones either. You don't well, like that either. Are those, I mean, are they individual attributes? Well, I mean, those are they are... tendencies of Ollie? Are they, are they? Yeah, but we're certifying Ollie. Yeah, but so, we could look at Ollie's practices in, right, in, I know, the, but in the context of a classroom. But the, the ability is the practice, right? It's the, the ability of me to teach, right? To teach uh -huh. in it. Like you can give me a test on the ambitious science teaching. And if I could pass that test, does that mean that? Like, no, but that's not what no. we're talking about. So we, right. So what I'm saying is that if you want to adopt the ambitious science teaching, that that is not just a a practice, but it's also representative of a belief and a tendency. Like you will have to want to do that. Um, yeah, but I can like, you have to want to teach that way. Like that's the thing where we're like, but, but wanting to teach that way and teaching that way are not the same thing. This goes all the way back to the teacher beliefs right. thing. 
Right. right so enough, I can like, say like, I want to do a student centered classroom. I want to do phenomenon based teaching. Or you could say and that you I can do even, it. And then yeah, you're like, and yeah, you can oh, say, I, uh, you yeah, can like say goes, I do do it. And, right. and, it, and you don't do it. Right. We know that just as well. Like people who say, I do do this kind of teaching and you go in and watch them teach and you say, you do not do that kind of teaching. <laughs> Damn, I am. <laughs> you will you, you will not you will not teach them in a box you will not teach them with a fox you will not teach them here or there you will not teach them anywhere <laughs> right so so how do we uh, uh, so okay i'm you're you're now the dean of the college of education no no let's Penn talk State. about your dispositions i want to hear some of your specific dispositions and how you how you evaluate them. oh so no give me some have, of these ones that like, you like at at our institution like well, the, no, the ones you and Leslie are working on. I oh no, we, we we haven't gotten to that point yet. We we have just like we're still spending time like actually defining the the actual thing, the construct, and seeing how the literature defines it. You know, that's where yeah. we are because it's like miles wide, miles yeah. wide in terms of how. And it's like I know, mean, here, here's here's the beliefs, thing: right? For- attitudes. But I but I think that you know, and there it goes back to Dewey. Dewey had some uh, role in dispositions too. You know, like it, you shake your head. No, no, like, I'm not. I'm not saying no. I'm saying, OK, do we yeah, also so like, did the scientific method and that look how that turned out? Like, I'm <laughs> I'm just saying there's like, OK, so let me let me put it this way. Right. So you're pick just pick a disposition, like one that you you don't have to love it. Just pick one that, that we can talk about as a, as a specific example. What? I, I don't love I don't love disposition. Okay, so pick one <laughs> so we can talk about. It. All right, let me let me let me pull up. Like you're gonna the, uh, do, pick a bad one if you want. I don't care. Uh, we, I can, we can do, we we can pick bad ones. We can pick good ones. You know. Well, I mean, you have yours in front of you, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, some of these are are pretty classic, right? I mean, present a professional appearance and demeanor, or some version of that, right? So, so do they? Do they present themselves like a teacher? But those are those are fine, but they're just those are easily observable. I mean, the one the other ones that are more complicated, um, maybe establishing rapport with others, um, demonstrates a commitment to achieving team goals. Like these kinds of those are those are pretty. I mean, these are from a list, but they're not some magical perfect list. Um, but right. those well, are so here's. This is yeah, from the uh, here. These are from the North Carolina State University Teacher Candidate Dispositions Awareness. So this right. is from it's a nice neutral on, third party. So and it's, but it's linked on the Penn State website. So I, I don't like know it. why it's on the Penn State website, but it's there. So they have their dispositions broken down into the following subcategories: mm-hmm. scholarly, ethical, reflective, valuers of diversity, mm-hmm. and experienced in practical applications of knowledge. Okay, so do you want to talk about the ethics one? I don't. Well, you, you're you you're an ethics guy, so let's talk about ethics. Pick one, and then there's sub there's subunits under that ethics, right? right. There's got to be yes. a, there's like what seven or eight. So so read one of them. The candidate commits to teaching all students. Okay, so the candidate commits to teaching all students. So that is a criteria that we're going to use. Right. So. I, I'm not saying it's a good one because I'm like, going, okay. well, how the heck do we assess that? Like, right. and how do we set to assess commitment? You right. know? Well, but all these verbs, right? And this is the, the the point of almost all of these is they name an attribute that is not directly observable. So that's not directly observable. I can marshal no, I, I can marshal evidence for it. I can say here's I why I think. I am on board with that perspective. I share right. that 100%. But that's the point is like the thing that makes it what it is, is the evidence that you marshal for that case. And yeah. that's independent. It's not a, that's that's about practice. The the marshalling of the evidence, you have to watch them do the thing. Right. Yeah. So you want me to keep going? Maintains confidentiality. Yeah. I mean, the only way that you that the only evidence you have for that is when it's not happening. Right. Yeah. You only have an, a lack of of that. Right. As, it's yeah. like whenever confidentiality confidentiality is not maintained, right. then you go, hey, you didn't meet the standard. The assumption is that it's like this is the uh, you're innocent until you're proven guilty. Right. right. This is that's yeah. the case with that interacts appropriately with students and their families, peers, faculty, administrators and external audiences. Same thing. 
Yeah. It's the not to mention that that's a laundry list and you might do some of it well and some of it not so well. It's aspirational. And then whenever you, a candidate doesn't meet that, then you're like, Hey, you didn't meet the standard. Um, or maybe gauging, I don't even know like how you would assess that so that, you know, interaction is a hard one to assess. Right. Uh, but they're all hard to ex- assess. Right. That's sort of my point is that they're. Oh, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. But then why are we spending so much time articulating all these things that are basically impossible to assess and then saying, well, if we don't have those things, then we then we can't well, say that the person isn't meeting the standard. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. So th- that's actually another colleague of mine, uh, John Ward, who is the dean at, uh, at Kutztown. His belief is we should just get rid of the dispositions. Just get rid of them. Get rid of them because it's uh, like, and you're like thumbs up on that. Yeah. Yeah, But John, John wants to say what we should be doing is replacing them with um, what's called the model code of ethics for educators, which specifically says these are the things, but there's some fluffy things in there too that are hard to assess. Well, okay. But here, okay. So let's take that again, fluffy things that are hard to assess. Like the truth of it is good teachers are good at relationships with their students, right? This is an argument you and I would make. That's sure. a fund- fundamental characteristic of being a good teacher, right? That is very difficult to assess. Right. It just is. And all of these things are very difficult to assess. So our response, because of the historicity of the way that we have developed, the way we think about learning is, well, if we have a thing that's hard to assess, what will make it easier to assess is to articulate a bunch of specifics about what that thing is. But of course, the problem is all of those specifics are equally hard to assess. And so now what we have is a laundry list of difficult things to assess that are supposed to help us with the hard thing that we have to assess. And then we think we've solved the problem. And right. really, all we've done is over articulate the problem to the point that now we have lots of problems. I'm going to say it's not just hard to assess. It's hard to teach. Yeah. Right. Well, because we like, it is like, we can teach, like we can teach the practices. We can talk about like the under underlying learning theories. We can talk about, we can give them practice the build the like to give all, go into a classroom and, and do this and try this out and provide feedback. But sometimes, and we have a, oh, this has happened to us. This is actually the, uh, what pr- prompted this conversation is we have some teacher candidates who are just struggling this semester because they are meeting the checklist of things. They, they're they going like, yeah, I can do these things, but they're just not, they're not able to, to, to do that in a classroom. They're not able to. Mm-hmm. And like, how do we foster that? How do we teach that? We can say, hey, be more relational with your students, interact with them more. Right. You can try to form relationships with them, but it's it's a struggle. It's a struggle. And like, so how do you unpack that further and teach them and provide feedback? I don't know. And so I think that's disingenuous. I think you do know, actually. Right. It's just that it's not simple and it's not something that you can write onto a syllabus as a set of assignments. What it means, what it is, and and okay, so let's talk real, let's have real talk. Jokes have left. <laughs> oh, so this, this is real. Now, it's, no. This is probably like our our throw is like we we have a throwdown. The, the yeah. disposition throwdown. Throw yeah. Disposition throwdown. So um, the now I've lost now I lost what I was going to say because uh, I was talking about the um, teaching people. Oh, how you, to you don't interact. know how to yeah. teach them, right? So this is the problem: is we've set up a system where we think we can teach people how to teach at a university where they do not interact with students by reading things and then having them repeat those things back to us in some form, a test or whatever, and then, and then sending them out into schools and saying, good luck. Right. So I think, do we know how to do this? Yes, we do know how to do this. And the best way that it's done and where they learn the most about how to do this is when they're in the field, which is Ironic because those people who supervise them in the field are often the least well regarded in our in our colleges right. of education and and um, least well taken care of. But okay, so the truth of it is, if you want them to learn this, you have to have them learn them in context. This goes all the way back to Brown, Collins, and Do Good, right? Like you cannot right. teach them I'm teaching not this, in a classroom. I'm, and and it, a classroom at a university, you can teach them a bunch of concepts. 
that they can sort of pair it back to you. But if you want them to learn how to teach, they need to be doing it in a context where they can interact with students, where you can be with them, where their mentor can be with them, where their supervisor can be with them, where people who are more knowledgeable others can work with them while they're doing the practice to improve it. it you know, again, there's so many analogies, but like s- soccer academies do not have three years of in class training before you get on the pitch. It, you know, guitar classes do not begin with studying music theory, not independent of the guitar, right? And then, okay, after two years of guitar theory, now you're going to get a guitar and start learning how to play. Like that is a bananas way to think about it, but it is the way that we think about education. And it goes all the way back to this idea of how we think about what education is, which is the transfer of knowledge from one person to another via mostly direct talking to those people or reading something and then remembering it later. I guess that I, I agree with you completely on all of that. The challenge we're facing is that despite, you know, modeling, despite coaching, def- despite scaffolding and all the cognitive apprenticeship stuff that's happening in, in classrooms with, with really, with, and long-term, because we have a PDS at our school. So some of these mm-hmm. folks have been out there for, you know, at this point, like eight, to 10 months. You know, in their schools, they're just not thriving. And most of it is not because of not subject matter knowledge. Most yeah. of it is not because they 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 don't know how to do a lesson plan. It's because they don't know how to interact with students. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. Rela- and don't you disagree. and I are come to this from a point of like relationships are important. And if we have people who are struggling to build relationships with students, then then how do we coach them to do that better? And yeah. I, I just go, yeah. Yeah. That's well, there hard. is, there is like, we it, can it break it down hard. and like, Hey, pay attention to kids more. Hey, talk no, to kids. That's more. Ju- that's just more dispositional. More, that's more breaking it down into criteria. Right. They have to see it happening and then they have to unpack it for themselves. Here's the problem. Yes. You have a PDS. Yes. They're in, in schools, eight months. And my students are the same. Like my, they have, their fall, they're in a methods course that's embedded in a school, and then they go into student teaching. So they have, you know, 30 weeks of this stuff. And yet, and at yet. best, that is a quarter of their preparation to be a teacher. And that's yeah. being generous, right? So they have three years of coursework that don't look anything like that. And they also have, as we've talked about before, the apprenticeship of observation that was you know, 13 years prior to that. So they have 16 years of, of a particular way of doing school. And now we have eight months to try and reverse that. And it's like, well, yeah, it's probably not going to be super effective. Um, and, and we do what we can. And I agree. Our students are struggling. I'm not, I certainly do not contradict that. I, I have seen it. I think we've all seen it. Some and I think it's, it's a pandemic and some of it. Yeah, I, I was just going to say the same thing. I think, some of it is even more so with the pandemic because we they had less chances. This group of students right now had less chances to go out to the schools because when these students, like the ones that are you know in their professional year right now, they were in their freshman and sophomore years. Those foundational years were you know on a computer and not going out in the schools and not getting out to interact with students, and and it, it's like and we're going to be in this for a bit. Like, mm-hmm. cause we're going to have students who are going to be, you know, having spent high school years that way. And it's like, we have to, and I think even though it's one of those things where I have to like, you know, swallow hard to like mm-hmm. get it down is that I think some of it is dispositional in nature. It is, it is. I like, I know you say it's practice based, but I think that the, the, being able to interact with students is not like we can't just make it a laundry list. It is, it is what are their, you know, are they, do they want to do that? Do they want to, are they interested in doing it? Are they able to, are they able to do it? Like, and, and if relational work, like this is, a, it's important to you and I, but I think, and it, it reflects certainly the practice that we, we believe in and the types we, but it's also fundamental to like who we are, right? And 
again, seeing identity as independent of community doesn't make any sense to me. So when you say who we are, sure. as if that's independent of where we are, like who I am when I'm with my friends on the weekend is not the who I am when I'm in schools with kids or when yeah, I'm but, at the university. But, with we're, people. but we're, we are defining the community that we care about. The community we care about is them in a classroom setting. We don't, I don't care yeah. what they're like on the weekends with their friends. I, know, I, but I, I care about what their identity in a classroom But you setting. still want to make a laundry list of what's good and what's bad and what's in their head and what's what makes them who they are in their head as opposed to understanding them so, so in when, the So when context. we're like taking students out of programs right now, we're like going, yeah, it's because you're not doing this. Yeah. Like we, we have students who are like, like they're kind of like robots. Right. I agree with all that. They're like teaching but, machines. But, then, like you're, teaching but machines. then you're arguing that the solution for that is for us to articulate a list of things that are attributes of those yeah. people about what they believe, which is totally inferential, like and then yeah, using I, that as a set of criteria for eliminating these folks, as opposed to what you just described, which is, well, here's what you're doing. Here's what we're right. seeing in the classroom. Well, that's why I said we, we haven't connected it to attitudes. We haven't connected to the beliefs at our institution. We've connected to the behaviors and the behaviors that they have. But the, but the behaviors are, are representative of – can be representative of – couch that a little bit of of attitudes right like if somebody's not engaging with students there's a part of it that's just like you know a desi- lack of desire a lack of ability to do that that's an inference that's an inference it is an inference yeah it could be lots of things it could be lots of reasons they don't oh give me give me some others um they were abused as a child they had a rough week with their friends, and so they're feeling shitty about themselves, and they're not in a good place. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying there's lots of factors, and you say, well, the reason is they don't want to interact with kids. And I, there are lots of people who that that's not the reason that they're not interacting with other people. It's because they don't want to. It's because they have some other thing that's holding them back from doing that. So, so, so uh, okay. when you say they don't but want but to, that's still like all that stuff is still dispositional, right? Like all those things you say are still like, no, because disposition implies that, that that is some sort of permanent state of affairs that they are current, that that is who they are. That is their disposition. Right. So if we've if we're here at like seven, eight months since the year and we haven't seen these students demonstrate the ability to connect to students. Yeah. So that's it. Fine. They have they don't seem to be exhibiting the ability to connect to students, not they have a disposition that they're they, they don't want to connect to students. Uh, OK, so how how do we we're teacher educators. So these these folks want to become teachers. Yeah. Oh, I, so I'm not disagreeing with the fact that there are people who shouldn't be teachers who are in our programs. I'm just saying the way to characterize that is to describe what's going on with them in the classroom, not to attribute it to some some attribute of that person, not to make a judgment about this is who they are or what they believe. No. This is this is what's happening. And 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 why why is that not enough? And, and I think it is enough because that's what we actually use when we when we try right. to talk about removing somebody. But then we have to say, well, it's lined up with our dispositional checklist of things that this data supposedly represents. Yeah, I, I see. I think the 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 challenge is, you know, we're we're teacher educators, right? And so. Connect we, that to dispositions, though, because no, yeah, we're teacher educators. We're teacher educators, and so what w- we believe is we have to we can teach teachers to teach. Yeah, right. And so when we have these candidates who say, "I really want to become a teacher because this is what I feel my calling is," uh-huh. and we say to them, "You can't do this uh-huh. because you haven't exhibited the behavior to do this, or the practice to this, or the ability to do this." Uh-huh. And they say, well, help me develop that ability. Yeah. I, well, I mean, we are teacher educators. That's a reasonable question, right? That's like if we if we analogize it down to a science classroom, then what you're saying on some level is there are kids that we should just kick out of science class. No, you said there are teachers that shouldn't become teachers. There are people that shouldn't become teachers. No, that's, that's what, what you said. said. I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you that there are people. I'm agreeing with you that there are people we think shouldn't that, go into teaching. Why? Because we've seen them teach, right? Not so they because they have exhibit- a disposition for no, uh, this uh, thing or that. We've thing. we've we've watched them teach and say, okay, they're not 
exhibiting the practice, behaviors, whatever. And they say, I want to become a teacher. Teach me how to do this. Yeah. And so, so then and, why then then help them? So these folks, like many well, of the folks. Well, what I would say right to them now, is you need more time. You could become a teacher, but you can't become a teacher in the time frame that we have because you're not, you're not, you're not, your practice is not changing so, fast enough okay. towards, give them more towards time. the goal. How do we do this? Yeah. Well, do we, we don't have a, we don't have a system in place to do that. So all we can do is kick them out. I mean, you could say, well, you can I, stay an extra year. I'm asking you to create the program. Okay, I, I just did. So I just did. Just give them, give them I, more time. Add a year, add a year to the program. Say, okay, if you really want to become a teacher. We're going to add a year to your program. You're going to do another round of two semesters of student teaching with full supervision in a different classroom um, to see if if that's an opportunity for you. to. And we're going to support you and we're going to give you coaching and mentoring and we're going to do all that. And you're going to have to pay another year's worth of tuition. And if you're really committed to becoming a teacher, then we can do that for you. So if you're if not, then we can help you graduate right now without certification and go off with your BA in in education and right you know so so here's here's uh the i was watching a, a video came up on i don't know youtube or something the other day when i was like just flitting around and it was of a coach who was working with like a, a basketball player who's trying to be like shoot three point three pointers mm-hmm. and so it was really about her, uh the coach and her techniques with helping this this individual and and so she comes over to the the player who just had, you know, missed like four or five in a row. And she, she says, I really like that you're doing this, right? Um, but what you need to do is do this other thing with your arm. You're doing this with your arm and you need to do this with your arm. And imagine this and it's given all this, all this feedback, specific feedback, coaching specifically on things to do, right? Mm-hmm. And and so the the person, now here's the, here's the thing. Like I could get that feedback and I wouldn't be able to put it into practice mm-hmm. because I just, I don't have, so I, the the two things I was thinking about was how intentional that pra- that feedback was and how specific the feedback was on the things that they had to attend to. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how like almost instantly it created a change in this person's shot and almost mm-hmm. instantly they were start starting to make baskets and like, it was like wild and it was like it sounded something something so simple, but it would have been more than I. The other part I was thinking about as I was watching this was, outside of the like the specific nature of the feedback, was that I would never be able to do that. Yeah, but which part would you never be able? Well, to do? I would. Uh, so I could shoot a basketball a uh, hundred times, but it's like they go a hundred different places because sure, I don't. I don't have the muscle mass. You've never practiced. But I know, basketball. but I don't. No, I have. I have, you know, like that I, kid has not, not like that. Right. right. So the, the, my recognition is that I don't have that kind of muscle memory. I don't have that kind of, you know, ability to focus on specific, like I'm doing, trying to do it. Is that a disposition? Plan, right? No, I'm just saying it's a, it's a, it's a way of being it like me, like being able to focus and say, I can focus on my articulation. And like right now I'm trying to do with my trumpet playing, you know, sure. And it's just like, at times it's like trying to, and I've said this to to my uh, trumpet teacher, it's like there are 50 spinning plates that I'm trying to maintain all at once mm-hmm. when I'm trying to learn how to become a better trumpet player. And he keeps adding another plate. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, so I'm now working about this, 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 and this, and you're throwing on this. And so it's like, and he's like, okay, like, but, but he's giving me like really specific feedback on, on this. So mm-hmm. You have a person in your classroom who's a teacher yep. and who is, ha- is struggling with connecting with students, mm-hmm. right? Because we yeah. both believe relational work is important, Yep. okay? And what's the specific feedback you give them? Well, that – so that depends on the context in the same way it does with the basketball coach and with sure. the trumpet player teacher, right? Like I can't tell you generically how a kid right. in a classroom I, I can fix that. So I think the point I'm just is, saying that it's like it's almost like for some of these folks, it really comes down to you just need to be a different person. I, I know that's I think, hard to say. That's I don't like, think that's true, but I think if we look at okay, so if we take your example, how often do our teacher candidates get that level of feedback from anybody in their program? 
while they're practicing that level of detail on a specific case, like here's the thing I've been watching you do. Here's the thing you can try to fix that you could do, try to do that better. Well, I think we, we try to do it. I mean, that's not what I asked. What I asked is how often do you think it actually happens? Like if we're just being cold blooded about this in a typical teacher education program. So for our teacher candidates, while they're student teaching from a supervisor, six times a semester, maybe more. Wait, six times a semester, they're observed. How many times do they get that level of in the moment? Oh, right. In the moment feedback. feedback? Well, that's what you're talking about with the basketball player and with the trumpet, right? But it wasn't, it wasn't in the moment. Wait, the the kids shooting three pointers, the coach walks up and says, here's what I've been watching you. Yeah, but there's not an analogy situation. You brought it up as an analogy. And I think it actually is an analogy. I think the problem is that we don't do that, right? We And there's lots of good reasons for that. We have super limited resources, right? Our supervisors see our student teachers once or twice a week, right? And when they're there, the structure that that often takes is I watch the lesson, I take some notes, and then at the end, we have a little chat. So that is not the same thing as what you described with the basketball player. And I think that is a fundamental problem. I think if we really want people to get better at teaching, we have to rethink the way that we teach them. Not just say, well, the reason is because we we haven't listed our dispositions or we haven't listed the things that make them good or bad at teaching. And if we just had that and could show them that and check check off which ones they do no. well and not well. I know that's yeah. not what you're saying, but that's the way the system, all I'm up. Right. the system is set up where I'm going to decide whether you have the disposition to be a teacher or not. Right. And there's a checklist. It's, uh, it's not what you and I are like. I said, I said, it's the system. I said, yeah, I it's, the system it's, what that's it's what we're being charged to do in it's order the to system that is set and up. to certify our, our teacher candidates. Right. So what I'm saying is we have as best we can within, within the framework that we operate in, we have to uh, rail against that system because it, it doesn't do what it intends. And in fact, I think it has pretty bad unintended consequences. Yeah. Well, this, 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 this is not the way you expected this to go no, at all, at all. I didn't become, expect this to become a dispositional throwdown. Yeah. I just wanted it to be a conversation about like, if we had like, cause really this is, I'm, I was coming at this from a perspective of, we have some struggling teachers or teacher candidates who are not doing it, not doing well, not yeah. doing well. And we're, I, I'm, I'm and coming from that perspective too. Right. And so, and, and it's about their practice, their, mm-hmm. their, what they're doing in classroom settings. But I, I, I think some of it's that, yeah. And I won't use the disposition thing because you're going to go off on it, but there, there is something, there's something going on that, that I, I've been in this, I've been doing this for 15 years that we haven't had this conversation before. And so, oh, really? You think there are more teacher? You think you think this is a because that that I don't think I heard you say before. Um, I think it's happening. Well, the types of conversations we're having are different than ones before. Like mm-hmm. we've ha- we've always had students who you know were you know showed up too late, didn't submit lesson plans, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, the things we're dealing with are, are different, right? It's the it's the um, the ability to engage in a classroom setting with and interact with students, which is the relational piece that you and I are so, you mm-hmm. know, that's it. That's the thing that, you know, and we can tell them, hey, what you need to do. And we try to break it down to things like that are observable or provide feedback or say to them, hey, look, this is how you engage with kids. This is how you're in a class with middle school kids. Here's how you do this. Mm-hmm. We can give them and give them feedback and say, hey, when this person came into the room, you didn't even acknowledge them. Say hello. <laughs> or like, you know, there's some people who do the fist bumps or stuff on the way in or comment on their backpacks or stuff. But it's like it's the spinning wheel. It's the spinning plates for them. Mm-hmm. And and they don't even know that the plates are there. Like they're like like they're trying to do the plates, but then the, then. Then there's another plate. Well, and that's another, not the like, plate they're concentrating on. Right. Because it's the that so the thing is that like I'm interested in the plates for the the, the spinning plates for the you know my trumpet playing. I'm really interested in it. And when he when he my teacher introduces them, I go, Oh yeah, I should I need to start thinking about that too. You know, 
but the but the thing is, is that like the, the, the some of these candidates are like I don't even know what that plate is, mm-hmm. and so we try to break it down into what here are the practices, and it's just yeah, and so the thing is, is that it has made, has sort of brought me back to going, all right, are 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 these like how do we capture this? How do we capture that what this thing is that's that's that students are struggling with? Yeah, I like I like I don't know how to describe it. I don't know how to describe that thing because I see it. I've worked with these these candidates. I worked with I've seen them teach. I work out there, and I'm just going, yeah. I don't I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what what it is that is the I don't know missing piece, the secret sauce, the whatever that is like you're not attending to the classroom community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. And again, it, so I, don't I, call it disposition, call it whatever you want, but I don't. But it's know. not a list of stuff. It's not a, it's, it's just not. But, but if we don't make it, if we don't make a, 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 a list of practices that the person has to engage with or say that they're not engaging with, then how do we assess it, provide feedback? Say, cause this person's just like interact with your students. Well, okay. Well, how did I do that? Then we start to say, here are all the ways that you could do this, mm-hmm. right? But it's still not like all those things don't add up to interacting with your students. Yep. Agreed. I think we need to stop because because I think there's a fundamental piece here that that we are not agreeing on or not understanding each other on. Yeah. Because um, and I think people are probably listening to this are going, I agree with both of them and I disagree with both of them. Right. Probably. You know, probably. Pro- I hope the right, the right thinking people are thinking that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean. Yeah, I think this is, you know, a, I think this is both fundamental to the way that we think about these things and also um, a challenge based on the way that our system exists. Right. And so, um, yeah, I think I think uh, there's more to talk about, but I think we should call it for today. <laughs> yeah, you're like, before okay, people, you just want to like, get that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I feel like we have to put some. This is one of those times where like we you, you and I like come at it from very different perspectives usually yeah. we're on like on the same side of of good and evil you know yeah. well yeah it's uh, not good and evil but, uh, but yeah i mean i think um yeah it's there's more to say but if we keep saying we're gonna be here for four hours and we can't right. do it so we're gonna yeah. we're gonna call it today and we're gonna re- revisit um dispositions on another day <laughs> i don't know can i handle it can our friendship handle that i don't know <laughs> maybe we'll wait a month or so before we come back to it so that we don't because yeah because i'm looking at you and you're like just yeah it's like mm, no, i'm looking can't. at you too like this is yeah this is hard stuff right and i think um the fundamental piece is we are both worried about um that it feels like teacher candidates are struggling more now than they have in the past. I think that's true of schools, kids in schools too. Like we, sure. it's a, you know, we, we're living in a time of mental health crisis in a, in a right. substantive way. Right. And that, right. that has to bleed into everything. So the idea that, that they would somehow be different, that teacher candidates would be immune to those things. Um, we are in a, in a, in national, we're in a worldwide sort of malaise right now, post pandemic. And, and that is having significant impact on the way that we interact with other people. There's just no two ways around it. Right. Yeah. And I think that however you frame that, whatever words you use to describe that, I mean, it's playing out in our classrooms and it's playing out in our work with teacher candidates. Yeah. And, you know, and I think, yeah, I mean, that's, and that's the part for me is that I always, you know, I came into this profession because I went in and becoming a teacher educator because I thought, okay, I can teach people to teach. And I think we can do this, right? I can do this. We as a community can teach other people how to teach. And that is being challenged. That belief right now is being challenged. For me. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, I do think part of it is, I mean, I hear what you're saying. And I think uh, I agree with you to some degree, though I do think it on some level comes back too to this idea of like everybody that there is a standard trajectory that people should be on for this stuff. And what we have is a bunch of people who have had a, a very rough couple of years right. in terms of their education. And we're assuming and we're presuming that they will be 
even with all that, that they'll be on the same trajectory as all their peers have been in the past. And if you think about that, that's sort of a crazy notion, right? Sure. Like they've been in pandemic, they've been doing Zoom teaching or Zoom learning for the last three years. And now we think, oh, well, yeah, but that's over now. They're just going to run right in and be back in there and teach. Uh, Yeah. And of course, and I think we agree with all of that. It's just how we frame it, how we frame it. And what do we think the next step is? You know, I think that's the 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 part where we diverge. You know, yes. and you two know. roads, yes, diverged in the wood. Right. All right, Joyce, you have a joy. I think you should start. All right. Well, I I have a I have a joy, but I'm going to put like an asterisk next to the uh, joy. Mm. So I'm, we've been watching the show on Netflix called The Night Agent. Oh yeah, everybody's talking about it. Okay, so I I, I want to say it's a really compelling story. It's really compelling. Yep. Okay, um, it is kind of like that Jason Bourne type of sure. Jack Reacher kind of thing. Jack Ryan, Jack Reacher. Jack it's Ryan. all of that. All, all the Jacks all and the, the Johns. And last time we were talking about Oliver's. This time we're talking about Jack. Yes. So it's it's in that vein. There's like some, uh, you know, in the very first episode, some sort of bombing happens on a subway system and so that sort of sets off the story as a 10 episode arc um and the the story is really really compelling and you don't know where it's going and you don't know who is traitors and who you know mm-hmm. it's all that um the 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 asterisk is that the um the acting is just okay no yeah right. it's it, it's like you're not going to go, wow, that was really like every single actor is like sort of one dimensional. Right. And which, I mean, it's a compelling story. We're like, we should watch another episode. It's like one of those things where we could have probably binged this in a day if we, you know, had that kind of luxury. Um, But it's not because these folks are just like, so, you know, compelling as actors. It is a really, really engaging story though. Yeah, I've heard. I mean, I've heard great things about it in terms of what you've just described. People saying right. like, "Wow, you're going to binge the whole thing because it's just right because like, it's it's, a, it's very suspenseful." There are lots of times we're like like sitting on the edge of their seat because you know that there are like assassins and there's these and that like and then like they use all of like little tricks and tropes to like like a mm-hmm. bird flies out and it's like you know jump scares you you know and all those kinds of things like yeah. all of that is like making you like so engaged and so like it's so suspenseful so it's that is awesome part of it but um yeah night night agent nice yeah Okay, well, I'll do a similar sort of recommendation with Asterix. So, um, so my daughter and I have been watching um, a Physical One Hundred. This is a Korean show that's done in subtitles on Netflix, and it was one of these nights where it's just the two of us, and we're hanging out, and we're like, "Well, let's just watch something that, you know, Christine, my wife, won't care about, and we can entertain ourselves a little." So, this is it's a it's a competition show. They are. They brought a hundred people together that are all different kinds of like athletes. In Korean, they talk a lot about their physique. I don't know if that's a cultural thing or, but anyway, they're trying to pick out who the the purpose of this competition is to find out who has the best physique and not in the way that I think we would think of it in sort of Western terms of like what their body shape exactly, how they, their, uh, the aesthetic appeal of it, but who, who's got the best sort of most I don't know, whatever body. Um, so, so there's like the strongest man in Korea. There's like wrestlers, there's, there's Olympic athletes of different stripes. There's CrossFitters. There's people who are just like dancers and they're all these different body types, mostly men, a few women. Um, and they put them through these physical challenges, sometimes individually and sometimes in teams. So it's, uh, it's, it's, I wouldn't even say it's to the night agent level of, of like, <laughs> you should really watch this. It's the sort of thing, like if you've got nothing better to do on a Sunday or whatever, and you want to kill a little bit of time, it's, it's entertaining. Some of the contests are, you know, the sort of contests you would expect, like really wackadoodle things. They had one that's all based on Greek mythology where different players had to do different challenges or punishments um, that were strength-based, but you know, it's, it's fun. It's, uh, entertaining. Um, and you know, it's certainly not going to change your life or make you rethink anything. It's just the sort of thing to watch and, uh, sure. yourself, but well, 
Yeah. That's I mean, that's kind of why we go to entertainment, right? Is because it gives us, you know, a refuse. Yeah. Sometimes anyway. You you have a more serious relationship with entertainment, I, I think, especially books than I do. I, I think I you you know, you you like books that are challenging. Um and sometimes I like those books, but a lot of times that's more than I can. Yeah. I was I was almost, I we saw John Wick this weekend and I was almost uh, gonna like uh, I think I'll talk about save that, that next for time. another day. Save yeah. that, you know. Yeah. Well All right. I haven't seen that yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Well, hopefully there's a next episode after this. Maybe this is it. Maybe Maybe this is it. (laughs) Irreconcilable differences. The show ends at one thirty-seven. Right. Sorry. They were never heard from again. (laughs) And if there is a next episode. Is it a prime number? Is one thirty-seven prime? Oh, I think it might be. Oh no. It sounds like it. Oh, it does sound like it. That would be bad. Yeah. Like, yeah, we can't leave on that. We're in our prime. Yeah, no, P R I M. Yes, it's prime. It is in fact prime. Yes. Look at that. I brought it up and it. I know. Now we're in trouble, man. All right. Well, hey, if there is a next episode, we'll be here next time. (laughs) See you then. (laughs) Bye now. 